Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio A, and I have a very exciting special guest with me, back 6,000 miles from the land of Israel, the city of Modi'in, Mr. Hanoch Young. Thank you for being here. Hey, Ryan. Thanks so much. It's great to be back uh, here at Beit Tehillah. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's funny... It, we were just getting to know each other last time, you know, and this, That's this, right. this time around, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe I kind of know you at this point. Yeah, a little bit. A, sure. A little bit. So, um, I want to jump right into some stuff. You guys that are listening, um, just to give you kind of a, a, a the long and short, Hanok uh, is a friend of Beit Tehila. He is our tour guide when we go over to Israel. And so he's got a lot of cool insights about the land and, and things that are going on and uh, more specifically today, I want to jump into some some things about some cool uh, discoveries that have been happening over there. And so, um, I, you know, I'm not going to give the list of all of his cool credentials, but let's just say he passed the test, right? He knows his stuff, and um, and we'll go from there. So, I know there's been some stuff that's been discovered lately. I know there's been some some cool things going on, uh, some things in the news. I've even seen you posting some stuff on Facebook. Can you can you give me the laundry list of of all the things that I need to know? And catch well, up on? I can't necessarily give the entire laundry list, but just recently, recently, when I'm saying within the last few weeks, um, the biggest element is what's referred to in English as the pilgrimage road, going from the city of David all the way up to the table, uh, Temple Mount, rather, pardon me. And that has now been open to the public. Uh, back when I was in the tour guides course, we had gone to a small section of it that they had been working on. They've been working on this for years. Um, it is the actual road that people coming to the temple for the pilgrimage festivals would go through the city of David, in, first immersing in a mikvah, in a ritual bath, and then walking up these steps to the temple you know, via the Temple Mount. And this is Second Temple period? This is all Second Temple period, correct. Okay, all right. Correct. That's one element. The other thing recently found is it's believed that the city of Ziklag, um, you know, mentioned uh, regarding King David, uh, has been discovered. Now, every time there's a discovery, quote-unquote, there are always those uh, in the profession of archaeology that stand to oppose it. Um, and there's a lot at stake here because the biblical minimalists, those people who want to say that there's nothing in the Bible that's true, have a vested interest in saying that King David and King Solomon were never kings over United Kingdom of Israel, but rather they were just, you know, regional tribal chieftains, a couple of tents, a few wives and a bunch of camels. So, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's believe it or not. Uh, the other thing... And this is within the secular archaeological community. Yes. Like scholars, yes. academics. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. Um, also, a story just came out just the other day that through the Temple Mount Sifting Project, which is a project because... All right, let's go back a little bit. In the early 1990s, uh, the Islamic Waqf, the Muslim Religious Council that controls the daily operations on the Temple Mount... 
began doing excavations with heavy machinery. It's illegal without the Israel Antiquities Authority. However, they got away with it. And they dumped 400 truckloads of priceless artifacts from the Temple Mount into the Kidron Valley. Now, I heard about this. This is a, a while ago. They actually this is did back this. in the and, 90s. And this is the expansion of, uh, what is it, the mosque there? They, they created an underground mosque in what's referred to in English as Solomon's Stables. Okay. Uh, it's now a full underground mosque. They changed the status quo, which they always accuse us in Israel of doing. But make a long story short, from pieces that were recovered in this debris, they have been able to reconstruct what was called the, you know, opus, um, gee, I can't even pronounce, well, I'm not really good in Latin, opus sectila, I, pardon me, but it's the actual design of the floor of the second temple, of the Temple Mount, that is now available to be seen in its reconstructed format. Pretty amazing. And so this, so... Help me visualize what you mean. So this is like a mosaic or... Yeah, it's, it, well, I wouldn't call it a mosaic, but rather a particular pattern that was very popular in the time of the Second Temple. And what's, what's of course, when things aren't found in the actual site itself and were disturbed, there are those who say that it doesn't have validity. However, this was from the Temple Mount and it really enables us to see what it looked like. It's very colorful. I'm, I'm looking here as we're talking for a picture of it. I'll find it a little later. So this is like the tile design, basically. Exactly. The best way to describe it is the tile design. Okay. Very cool. Wow. So from the temple. Yep. I mean. And, and, and this is just in the last few weeks. This is just since I got on the plane in June to come here to the United States to speak to groups like Beit Tehila. As of today, another discovery was announced. Wait, something today. So as we're recording this, something happened today that we know about. Something was released to the press today. Wow. It actually happened in the last few weeks. Um, there's an archaeological dig at Mount Zion. And it's run by Professor James Tabor, who's an old friend of mine. Uh, Department of Religion, University of North Carolina at Charlotte, and Professor Shimon Gibson. Today they revealed that they have found the ditch that was used when the Crusaders attacked and conquered Jerusalem beginning on the 15th of July, believe it or not, in the year 1099. So what you're saying is like the 15th of July, like... Today. Like, like today, which is why it was released to the press today. They <laughs> but, had this... They, but like in 1099. In 1099. Huh. Exactly. So, you know, and there's there's a whole story about how there was a ditch around and, you know, they contoured it a particular way and everyone thought it was kind of a legend until this summer when they found it. So this is... Now, these are all different things going on. But they have all hit the press in the last few weeks. You know, and you don't hear about this kind of stuff. Everything is always, you know, some obviously anti-Semitically slanted, anti-Semitically, if that's even a word. Um, but, you know, it has some sort of a slant. 
against Israel or against the Jewish people and against all that. And especially, you know, I find it most disheartening from the, the academic community, right? So you mentioned in the beginning um, about the folks that are supposed to be scholars, but they just like, they they can't just say, hey, look, here's the text and oh, here's this. And like, you just, oh my gosh, this matches. Yeah, what a shockeroo. Huh. What? Yeah. And, and instead of using it as a historical document, they're like, oh, this couldn't be it because this is 50 years off on the timeline. I'm like, well, how do you know that? You know? Yeah, that's, that's you know, 100 years, 200 years is is like an accounting error. It's, 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 it's nothing when you're talking about a span of time of 3,000 years. Especially, well, especially when you're digging in the dirt and you're just like, yeah. I mean, look, I'm no archaeologist and I'm not speaking against their craft or their trade, so don't send me any emails about that. But... Um, what I am saying is that there is some mainstream ideologies that that maybe need to be broken down because if we're we're looking at the text and we're looking at what we find and those two things match, but then we discount it because of some other timeline for some other country that's not even related necessarily, um, then then maybe we have some some other looking to do, you know? Oh, absolutely, and particularly when we're living in an era where people stand up in the public forum and and make the following statement that quote Jesus was a Palestinian from Nazareth huh now <laughs> you know it's kind of like what yeah but there has been a movement over the years called Christian Palestinianism that is attempting to rewrite history and is putting Jesus Yeshua uh, in the role of, God forbid, you know, a, uh, you know, one of those uh, Shahid, uh, you know, a Muslim martyr. I, it just, it's unbelievable. So in the off chance that somebody that listens to our podcast doesn't understand why that's not even a possibility, I want to just go ahead and lay it out for you very quickly, okay? So first and foremost, uh, the word Palestine comes from the, the, uh, the name Philistines, which is... Um, the what is it the antiqu anti of antiquity the enemies of Israel right so yes. normally in the Gaza Strip what we would call the Philistines uh, or Philistia and so when Rome decimated Israel after the Bar Kokhba revolt in what 135 135 okay. is when it ended yes 135 AD um, Rome decided that and and you got to understand that the temple was destroyed in 70 AD so between 70 and 135, there's 65 years of the Jewish people rebelling over and over and over and over and over and over again, to the point where, uh, you know, Rome was sick of it. The Romans were done. So what ends up happening? What ends up happening at that point is that um, the the Romans come, they salt the land, they decimate everything, they destroy everything. They actually pull all, the Jewish people out. They transplant another group of folks in and uh, after destroying the land, of course, right? And then renaming it uh, Philistia after the, the enemy of Israel, the ancient enemy of Israel, and renaming the province after their enemies as a slap in their face. So then, you know, fast forward, you know, over the years, uh, after the Muslim conquests and all of these other things that happened, the Crusades, the area was only called Palestine because of the, you know, the anti-Semitism of Rome, right? So there was no such thing as a Palestinian, quote-unquote, at least, I'm not claiming there ever was a thing as a Palestinian until, what, 1967, but 
there never was a thing as a Palestinian, quote unquote. Everybody was an Arab or an Egyptian or a Jordanian or a Turkish or, you know, people in the Ottoman Empire um, until after this revolt. Now, you can correct me if I have any of my details were incorrect there. No, it, it's, you know, what's, what's interesting is the Romans did not settle another population in Israel. That had occurred after the Babylonian exile, um, but there never was an independent country called Palestine. There never was. There, there, there was no, you know, as I said to someone the other day when they said, has there never been a Palestine as an independent country? And I said, only the one that was located between Narnia and Middle Earth. In other words, only in fantasy. Never, ever in history. Um, now, the thing that's really interesting in addition to all of this, is we live in the era of the big lie. So people can go and make an outrageous statement saying, denying the Jewishness of Yeshua and rather saying he was a Palestinian. Now, the thing that's fascinating is occasionally, by the way, those Arabs who refer to themselves as Palestinians came from the surrounding countries, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and basically moved into the land of Israel in the last 150 to 200 years as Jews began returning and rebuilding the infrastructure and the business uh, of the country. Okay, having said that, it's important to understand another recent find, also in the last month, where they actually were able to determine the DNA of the origin of the Philistines. The term in Hebrew, plishtim, means invaders. It was believed they had come from the Greek Isles somewhere. Crete, Minoet, they didn't know until literally this last month was proved that their DNA comes from Europe. They're European invaders. So, even if the so-called Palestinians were descendant from the Philistines, which they're not, they would have been foreigners, not native to the land. Well, there you go. So you know, I think we just make the point to let folks know that there's going to be a lot of misinformation. You're going to hear things, especially from certain news sources that are going to sound correct, that are going to try to delegitimize uh, the state of Israel or the claim of the Jewish people to the land of Israel uh, and the right of them to have a state called the state of Israel. Um, and, and pretty much none of it holds any water. And any any claims that have ever been made have pretty much been debunked by history. But there's this little thing that we call revisionist history, which has been happening over and over again. Um, and, and, and it's unfortunate because really we could have peace. We could have peace now if it weren't for the fact that the people uh, in the Middle East just don't want there to be a state of Israel. Um they just don't want the Jewish people to have a homeland and they don't want the Jews living in their land either. And so it's, it's, it's an issue um, that can't easily be resolved because one group of people says, Hey, we want peace. And another group of people says, yeah, but we want you dead. And it's like, well, there goes that, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately we're not willing to compromise on that. So <laughs> you know, we, we remain alive. What can I tell you? Yeah. What are you going to do? So um, all right, so he actually just showed me a picture of the the cool tile on the uh, the floor of the temple. I mean, I got to tell you, it's it's exciting stuff. Um, 
you know, for me, uh, when I look at these things, I've, I feel like my faith is based on the Bible and that the legitimacy of the Bible and the legitimacy of the claims and the truth of the Bible is a big piece of what gives me hope in my faith, right? So when you bring things to me that show me, oh, by the way, <laughs> here it is, ta-da, <laughs> ta-da-da, <laughs> Um, you know, that, that encourages me, it strengthens my faith. It, it, it gives me more hope and it, it just, it, it just all around makes me happy. You know I mean? I like these things. Um, so one of the other questions I had was you mentioned the pilgrimage road and I've seen a lot of stuff about the pilgrimage road. Right. How long is this road? Um, well, it's, it's a, a little more than 400 meters, which is slightly more than 400 yards, uh, going straight up. Okay. So this is a climb up, yes. up from the city of David. Um, which is below, obviously. To Mount Moriah, essentially. Yes, yes right? to the Temple Mount, yep. to enter the Temple itself. Got it. And so who who would have passed through this? I mean, every, anybody and everybody trying to go up to the Temple? Like, is this the one way in, one way out? Or? No, not the only way in, but the primary route for pilgrims and for those who come to Israel with the idea that they want to walk where Yeshua walked without a doubt... Now, you know, in, in, you know in, in guiding, there's what we call the P-scale. There's probable, possible, preposterous. <laughs> preposterous is when you're at, at, at Bethel, Bethel, and the guide tells you, you remember the story of Jacob sleeping on the rock? You say, of course. That's from the book of Genesis. So that's the rock right there. That's preposterous. It was in the area, but to say, you know, oh, 4,000 years later, that's the rock and I happen to know it is ridiculous. Beyond probable, Yeshua walked on that path, on those steps, on that walkway up to the Temple Mount. No doubt about it. That's incredible. That's incredible. And And I would venture to say that Paul, Peter, all of the apostles, um, I mean, they would I think you'd have to check those boxes. Yes, 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 and yes. Yeah. And I mean, because this is just the way that you're going to, I mean, essentially, if you've gone to Jerusalem multiple times in your life and you're going up and back to the temple and you're going frequently, then, you know, sometimes I'm up in the north and I come to it this way, but other times I'm in the south and I come from the city yeah, of David. And this, you know? Yeah, this this was the main path through the Holy Gates, correct. Wow, very cool. And and um, so the the down to the city of David, what's the relationship, uh, and I'm not talking controversially, I'm talking actually, sure. between the city of David and the Temple Mount and this path? Would they, would there have been any holding places or any facilities or utility facilities for the temple that would have... That they- would have been down in the city of David. People would have been able to use facilities, if sure. you will. They would have immersed in a mikveh, in a ritual bath. And then would have proceeded up to the Temple Mount. Got it. But well, I, you also hear a lot about like the wine presses or the or the oil, you know, vats or the things that they used in the temple that they would have been kept in the city of David or no? Not in the city. Of, the city of David is really small. Right. It's a very small area. You know, so... It's more like the, uh, the Palace of David. <laughs> the Palace of King David, according to Professor Eilat Mazar, and I believe she is correct, uh, was at the top of the city of David. Yeah. No doubt. Um, okay, so so probably not. So do we have an idea of where those things would have been? In the in the area around, which would have been on the western side, 
where the Western Wall is. The Western Wall, and above, in today's Jewish quarter, that was the upper city. That's where most of the people of Jerusalem lived. You had Mount Zion right there as well. Yeah. So if you're anything like me, uh, and you haven't been there, then maybe it's difficult to picture, right? I know it's really hard for you to, to envision, and that's why I hope everyone's saving their money and their little personal Israel funds to get them and their family to Israel, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, no, so I totally agree with that. Um, so you're going to be our tour guide for our trip coming up, what is it, in May? For uh, yes. Shavuot? Yes, right before Shavuot, uh, over Shavuot, and afterwards. So so the week, uh, or the two weeks of Shavuot, that that time frame, um, or the the, week surra- the weeks surrounding it, Sha- yes. Shavuot, um, Beit Tehillah will be taking our congregation uh, on a trip. And so you guys that are listening are part of our community as well. And if you want to go, um, we are going to have further details uh, about that. But just if you want to go ahead and mark your calendar for Shavuot 2020, um, we already have the trip plan. I believe we've already got a, a, a pretty decent sized itinerary already started to be put together. An amazing itinerary. Yeah. I, if I say so myself, you know, totally objectively speaking. Of course. Well, and, and, and listen, you know, you can go on a, on a standard trip to Israel with a standard tour group and you're going to get the standard tour. Um, Pastor Tikva uh, here from our congregation, I believe this is going to be her 22nd or 23rd trip to the land of Israel. She takes people all the time. And especially if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a Hebrew roots bent to your, your ideology. And so you want to see things that maybe were in the Bible, not just, Hey, here's the church of the Holy Sepulcher. Here's this, here's that, you know, you're going to want, Oh, here's Bethlehem. You're going to want to go and, and walk the road of the patriarchs and the matriarchs. You may want to go and, and see some of the sites that are in the quote unquote West bank, which we obviously call Judea and Samaria rightfully. And, and so you're going to want to see those things. So I encourage you to uh, start saving your money if you don't have your passport, now's the time to go ahead and, and get your passport stuff together so that you have the availability because you want to start committing and planting the seeds now because May comes like that. I know it sounds like it's a year away, but listen, it comes quick. And so if you start saving your money now, if you get your passport, you get everything together, you take the steps. I believe the Lord will meet you in the middle and help you finish up the rest of the way. I mean, you could buy another car this year. You could go to Greece or you could go to Hawaii. You could go do something else. I say do something that's going to impact your faith and change your life for the rest of your life. Like go go to the land of Israel. Amen? Amen. Yeah, he's like, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's right. I, I see the look on his face. So, all right. Um, anything else you can think of right now that we want to talk about archaeology-wise or... Well, I got to tell you, you know, mentioning those four things literally just made available to the public in the last five weeks is pretty, that's a lot of stuff to digest. It is. And, and to that end, that's the four most recent, right? So we're, we're not in the last five weeks. Yeah. So we're not even talking about all of the things. I mean, you're just going to have to go on the tour to get that stuff. I mean, I don't even think we should give that to them right here on the podcast. Yeah. No, they'll have to come. So um, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, what I'm going to call the state of the union or the state of the Hebrew roots. And the reason I want to talk about this is because I believe that as an Orthodox Jew uh, coming from the land of Israel and interacting with Christians with Torah, right? CWTs, as we so lovingly call them, we should make a t-shirt, CWTs or something, you know, make like a hat, you know, Um, you know, people who are Christians, believers in Yeshua, 
that have come into some revelation of the Torah um, that you go and you travel around and you speak to them and, and you yes. probably have a, a, like I said, a unique perspective. And so I want to hear as you go around, is the Hebrew roots movement healthy? Is this a, is a good thing? I mean, how, what do you get as your impression and, and how do you feel? And, and, and don't be too, too hard on us, but, no, 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 but, no, no, but no, I'm not no, asking you to not. hold back either. Certainly not. Now, again, just for those who don't know me, I've been around this movement now for 25 and a half years since April of 1994 I've been traveling extensively to the U.S. from Israel since August 2013. This is my 19th trip here in those six years. And I'd say that the movement right now is at a very crucial juncture. Uh, it appears to be splintering. But, you know, think of a caterpillar before it turns into a butterfly. Mm. That's my hope. <laughs> That's my hope. You know, as they say, you know, at this time, we don't know. Uh, simply because people are, and again, I'm only, I'm not talking about relations between Ephraim and Judah. We'll leave the Jewish people out of this equation. Ephraim and Ephraim, in other words, other Hebrew roots, Messianic believing two house congregations, as well as Ephraim with mainstream Christian denominations. There is still way too much bickering about theology and too little of an attempt at building relationships. Hmm. And people look for what divides them. Now, my contention has always been what unites us is greater than anything that could potentially divide us. But people want to bicker about the calendar, the new moon. Is it the conjunction point? Is it the sliver? Is the Sabbath lunar? Is it loony? What, you know, I mean, it's, it's, is the earth flat? What does it matter if you need to eat a biblically clean diet, a kosher diet? What does it matter if you think the world is flat? Of course, I like to say if the world were indeed flat, by now, don't you think that cats would have pushed everything off the edge? I mean, I'm laughing because it's, it's crazy. And people will divide. They will alienate other people in their communities. They will split their congregation over issues like this. I give the example is when I first started going around speaking extensively from Israel, I was coming back again. Uh, this would have been in the fall of 2014. And people wanted to know if I would be back in America during Sukkot. Now, I'll be honest with you. It took me half a lifetime to finally fulfill the mitzvah, the, the, the positive commandment of living in the land of Israel. And I'm not going to leave Israel during Pesach, Passover, Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, or Shavuot. But because everyone in, the, in this movement was on a different calendar, I could have had an entire month of speaking dates <laughs> all at different Sukkot gatherings. There's something weird about that. Yeah. The other thing, and this is a crucial point, everyone in this movement tells me they came into it because of Yeshua. It's Yeshua's love that's drawn them to the Torah. And people that I know that are leaving this movement tell me repeatedly they don't experience any love in their congregations. They experience condemnation. They experience people evaluating them, denigrating them, putting them down. So, hey, where's the love? And you know, as I mentioned to you when we were talking the other day, Ryan, people are always willing to freak out. Their heads are about to explode 
because someone posts on Facebook that they know someone who knows someone who knows someone else who they think is thinking of leaving the movement and converting to Judaism. By the way, let me state again for the 1,857th time, I do not believe Ephraim should be converting to Judaism. I'm sorry, can you raise your right hand? and <laughs> I raise my right hand and solemnly swear. I mean, seriously, we've got to let God be God. If he wants us to be something else, you know, he's going to sort us all out. We don't have to worry about that stuff for now. But the number of people who were converting to Judaism is basically two handfuls. A larger number are people who were leaving this movement and going back to mainstream Christian denominations because it's a lot easier and they see people are more warm and accepting. The largest group, though, of people leaving this movement go into nothing land. They just become the average American hanging around Walmart in their pajamas. They have left the movement. They have left faith in God. They've left the community. They've certainly stopped caring about Israel. And by the way, I to me, and, and I'm developing a much larger presentation, um, an amazing PowerPoint for January, with God's help when I'm back, delving into the issue that I have found conclusively that unless a congregation has a focus on Israel and supporting Israel and the Jewish people, they will fail. Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a couple thoughts on, on your comments and it's, it's not necessarily directed at you as much as it is the folks that are listening to this podcast. And I want to, I want to make sure one clarification for you, um, you're not saying that people that believe the calendar is this or the moon is that. You're not saying they're wrong. Am I correct? And I, I'm not judging them at all. Right. Okay. But they're splitting their congregations and they're leaving other people who have a very similar belief simply because they don't agree with each and every point of their personal understanding. Now, that understanding is a new understanding. Two years from now, they may have a different understanding because two years before, they certainly did. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny. I think, uh, and this is, this is I want to I speak to you guys from my heart, right? I'm, I've been in this movement for just a, a little bit. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this that are, are far more advanced within the Hebrew roots than, than I am. But within the Jewish community, something that I can look at and I could say, man, we can really learn from this, is this idea of what they say in kind of giggle, two Jews three opinions, right? The idea that we can sit down and we can have a very heated debate and discussion about scripture, about the way things are supposed to be done, you know, about law, about, you know, whatever. And that when we're done, we're done and we go grab a drink or we go... Yeah, or, or, or even better, when we go out for ice cream. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, in other words, so we disagree. Big deal. Well, and, and so I want I want to kind of I want to talk about that for just a second because I think sometimes you guys probably hear a lot of people and you go and you watch one YouTube video from one teacher who gives you this fantastic PowerPoint presentation with scripture and verse and and point and counterpoint and and case and and, and whatever and then. YouTube obviously shows you the next relevant video on this rabbit trail that you're taking, which I'm not calling it a rabbit trail because I've never taken one. I'm calling it a rabbit trail because I know exactly what it is because I've been on many. 
that you push the next video and that guy's telling you why the guy that you just watched is a heretic and how what he's saying is is crazy and i think that it's um i think it's the personal attack and within the hebrew roots that is that is a big issue uh at least it at least to me that we lose a focus on the weightier matters and we fall into you know, what we call it here, Beit Tehillah, and I'm sure they call it this other places, but Torah terrorism, meaning, you know, I fill up my, my, you know, my M16 with all my Torah bullets and all the commandments or whatever. And then I just find anybody I can, who's not keeping it. And I just mow them all down by telling them exactly what they're doing wrong. Yeah. Or rather they're not keeping it exactly the way that you do. And you of course are right. And everyone else is wrong. Well, and I can, I can tell you, in my short stint here in the Hebrew roots, that things that I knew that I knew that I knew when I first came into this. Now I'm like, you know, now that I've read all the the source text and stuff, and and instead of just, because some of these things we get the idea, the conclusory idea from a teaching, but then you go back and you read the verses or you read whatever, and then you're like, man, I have two other opinions of what this could possibly mean as well, and of the three total that I think are possible right now, I don't even know which one it could be, and there might be a fourth that is the actual correct one, and I don't even know what that is, you know? And so I'm not saying that we shouldn't do anything. You'll hear me say on this podcast over and over and over again, live what's revealed. Whatever it is that's been revealed to you, it's not for you to pull out your pointer finger and wag it at people. It is for you to look at yourself in the mirror and introspectively make teshuvah back to God, to say, I want to do the things that are going to bring me closer to my Father in heaven. I want to do these things for the right reasons, because if you do them all and you do them perfectly, but you do them and you don't have love and you don't have mercy and you don't have justice and you don't have grace, then you did it all for naught. It means nothing if you weren't doing it for the right reason with the right heart for God. It just, it just doesn't mean anything. And you know, it's funny because when it comes to certain things about the Hebrew roots, the the feasts of the Lord, things like that, you know, I I was having a conversation with somebody who they're not an atheist. I don't want to say they're an agnostic. They're let's call it a cultural Christian. Doesn't go to church, maybe goes on Christmas and Easter. Right. And they were kind of criticizing me because of not celebrating Christmas. Um, and and meaning not celebrating Christmases and not celebrating December 25th with a tree and lights and all those things, right? Not that I don't celebrate the birth of Yeshua. I obviously love Yeshua, celebrate the birth of Yeshua. But what I what I mean by that is that that they're they're kind of criticizing me. And I kind of said, you know, honestly, I'm closer to where you are as a I'm not even gonna do anything at all than I am to going back and celebrating Christmas the way that I used to. Just because now that I have what I have, I know what I know, I have the feast and all these things, this fullness, right, from the scriptures, why would I ever go back? So going back to the church, not even a possibility, which is why so many people from the Hebrew roots end up just going and doing nothing, because... Yeah, yeah, they they had already decided that everything that they had experienced in the church was negative. And then they have then decided that everything they experienced in the Hebrew Roots movement was negative. Or a third possibility, they spent so much time once they got into Hebrew Roots bashing the church that they're not welcome back. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's, 
<laughs> people ask me, why don't I speak in more mainstream churches? It's because everyone I know in the Hebrew Roots Movement has generally alienated all the pastors and ministers that they used to know before. So you just can't get any connections. Huh? I can't get any connections. Oh, man, that's rough. So then now to the lighter note, the, what's the solution? We Obviously, we want, we want to bring the redemption. We want Messiah to come. Yes. And we're on the same page there. Absolutely. Wow. So we're on the same page there. So then what is the solution? Okay. How, how do we do this? The solution is the behavioral aspect. Stop worrying about everyone else's theology. We need as individuals to get right with God, with Hashem. Now remember, the one thing that he requires of us, demands of us, is that we love one another. He never once said, and y'all have to agree with each other. So stop worrying about the other Worry about yourself. Have you taken care of the widows and orphans in your area? What are you doing for Israel? Are you, by your inactivity, in effect cursing Israel as opposed to blessing Israel? And you know how well that's going to work out for you. So there's that element. The other thing is to let God be God, to know that he's going to work out whatever it is between us to open up your hearts to your brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know about any of you. I don't agree with much of anything that my, my, my brother, my, the one biological brother that I have on this planet, we are totally different. It's all, truly like he came from different planets. <laughs> ah, interesting. I meant to say different parents and I said different planets. <laughs> it's true. It's both true. Um, but I would kill or die for him because he's my brother. Yeah. Everybody that I go and speak to in this movement, I believe is my brother and sister from Ephraim. Also part of the people of Israel, not to replace the Jewish people, but to return so we can be one united people of Israel again. The only way that that's going to happen is mutual respect, mutual respect for the reconciliation and restoration of all of Israel. We don't try to change each other. We walk our path for Hashem, for God, and His commandments as best we can and let the other people work on their relationships with God as best they can. Sure. You know, I, I think if you're listening to this, you could tell that me and Hanok, we have a pretty good time together. We sure do. We need to do this more often. It, I, I agree with that. And, and to that end, he and I have very different theologies right about the way we we view certain things but we also have these awesome commonalities and this mission to see the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of israel and so you're listening to this and this podcast and you're a believer in yeshua because that's probably why you you made it this far to this podcast you're you've come in and you've realized wow uh, there is something to this whole Torah thing. I need to get in. So now you're kind of into the Hebrew roots. You're listening to this and you're like, whoa, hang on a second. So now he's got this Orthodox Jew sitting next to him on the podcast and speaking at their church. And it's like, look, folks, the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel is the whole house of Israel. In other words, those people who are part of Israel. So where's the confusion i'm not sure i don't i don't know what it is but i'll 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 lay it down for you so that there's no confusion uh i'm not compromising my faith 
Hanukkah is not compromising his faith, but yet we sit here side by side speaking the same message. And the reason is, and it would be easier to see on a graphic, if you picture a, a circle, that circle represents the kingdom. Ryan is approaching it from one side to work for the kingdom. I'm approaching it from another side to work for the kingdom. And we're all going to meet in the middle. We're all going to meet in that spot doing the same thing. We're just approaching it from different angles. Why are we approaching it from different angles? Because Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, our Father in Heaven, put us in these two different camps for whatever reason, whether it's the two witnesses or not. You know what? Maybe we'll find out. But let's work together and get there. There you go. So uh, um, do you have any, any last words, any last thoughts? I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff today archaeology, the state of the Hebrew sure. roots, the solution. Sure. Uh, you know, every once in a while, people say, gee, I want to get in touch with that guy, Hanoch. I don't know how to do it. Uh, you can go to my website. It's called Kol Yehuda, K-O-L-Y-E-H-U-D-A.com. By the way, all that means is a voice from Judah. KolYehuda.com. There's, you know, one of those, uh, you know, contact things. Hey, there's even a donate button. For those who stop. feel inspired, oh, stop! Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know if you guys have that on American. Wait, websites. you need to you you need to fund this operation. It's funny. Nineteen trips to America, all self-funded. Yeah, <laughs> as Forrest Gump said, "Stupid is as stupid does." No, <laughs> um, you know. So please be in touch. Uh, for those of you in striking distance of a congregation like Beit Tehila, get involved. Yes, get involved. If you're too far away. Stay connected virtually. Yeah. You need to be part. You need. We need to build a community. We need to restore yeah. the entire nation of Israel. We want to support you. You're listening to this. You're not on an island. You're not by yourself. You're not the only person in the Hebrew roots. You can email me, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. I'm not some big televangelist where I don't get your email and read it. It comes right to my cell phone. I read it almost immediately, many times replying the same day. Um, just, you know, taking a minute to, to, to gather my thoughts. A lot of times you guys ask me some interesting questions that I have to ponder to give you a, uh, a thoughtful answer. Um, but he's right. Um, you know, uh, we, you're not alone out there and we would love to connect with you and to hear from you and to know who you are so that you can be known and that we can pray for you and that we can support you with, with resources, you know, teachings, whatever it is that you need, uh, help with or whatever it is. Last but not least. We're going to Israel in May as a Beit Tehila congregation. Oh, by the way, Israel is 6,000 miles away from Florida, so you don't have to be one of our local congregants to go on our trip. We would love to have you. And Hanukh, as much as he's glutton for punishment, hanging out with all of us, you know, wannabe Israelite, you know, Ephraimites, right? Ephraimites. As we... Returning Ephraimites. That's right. See, um, you know, he, he does a great job with the tours. And uh, he's very, very knowledgeable, and it, it's cool to have an insider in the land that really knows their stuff. So I would encourage you guys uh, to, to stay tuned. We'll get you more information about the, uh, the dates, the pricing, all that kind of stuff for the tour. And, and just one last thought. For those of you who are listening in and are not anywhere near Beit Tehillah, not anywhere in Florida at all, and belong to another congregation, I'm going to be back in January speaking with a brand new presentation, very exciting stuff. If you'd like to host me in your congregation, please be in touch with me via my website, 
kolyehuda.com, K-O-L-Y-E-H-U-D-A.com. There you go. Shalom and thank you. Yep. Thank you guys for listening. We love you. Um, if you guys want to live stream our services, you just go to twopraise.net or any of our social media platforms. Again, you can reach out to me via email at ryan at twopraise.net or you can call the office here at 813-654-2222. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week.